This is Conversations with Corliss, the leadership podcast that gives you real and authentic advice that can help you change your life for the better. Here we will listen to stories and have conversations with people who are just like you, people who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Your host, Corliss, is a modern-day purpose-driven leader. As an entrepreneur, she has developed a multi-million dollar business, leading thousands of people to discover their potential and reach their personal goals, all while balancing the responsibilities of raising her three children. She is a powerful, inspirational speaker, a certified success principles coach, and the founder and CEO of Corliss Co. Consulting, Incorporated. Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it. My name is Corliss, and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. I found myself coasting through life feeling unfulfilled, and deep inside, I knew there was more to me than I was living. I went looking for answers, and I found them by listening to inspiring people and having meaningful conversations. That is what we will do here for you. Whatever you are looking for, I am glad you are here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This is episode 004. We are talking about being brave and adventurous to lead your life with Leighton Ketty. Have you fallen into a pattern of monotony and it has you feeling bored or unfulfilled? Perhaps you've looked in the mirror and thought, is this all my life will be? It is said that life begins and ends at your comfort zone. And when we become too comfortable, we lose our sense of adventure. Suddenly life passes by and we've been living on autopilot for days, weeks, or even years. And before we know it, we can find ourselves filled with regret. I know this has happened to me. I had lots of blessings and for many years I felt I was too busy to take on adventures or new things because my life was full of taking care of my family, my home, and building my career. But once my kids got more independent and I could do my career without even thinking, I found I was craving adventure and wanted to shake things up. Instead of just wishing, I started doing things I'd never done before and trying things for the first time to find out what I even enjoyed. With this new childlike mindset, I discovered a life that is fun and challenging. I feel more alive in my 40s than I did in my 20s, and this is why I know it's not too late to redesign your life. Our guest today is a true adventurer and is one of the most unique and bravest people I have ever known. Ironically, he is my little cousin at six feet plus. He used to babysit my girls when I was working, and he's grown to be such a fine young man who is leading a life doing what he is passionate about. His story inspires me, and I know it will inspire you as well. Welcome to Leighton Ketty, who will join us all the way from Tasmania and right now happens to be in Queensland, Australia. Hey, Carlos, thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Most listeners really won't know your story, so I want you to tell us just a little about a bit about you, but where you come from, like your roots, and what you envisioned for your life when you were younger. Wow, uh, what a good question. Actually, thinking about it, remember when I was babysitting your kids when I was, whatever, an early teenager, I grew up only about a block away from you and our little 
logging town in northern Saskatchewan in Prince Albert. And I think as a kid for me, I was always really interested in how things worked. So I was obsessed with, even if I was ripping apart my mom's toaster, I usually had a motorcycle or a snowmobile apart. I owned cars before I had my license. And I, I think most of the time I pictured myself being a firefighter when I grew up. This is me in my, in my younger age. Interesting. So that nice, um, comfortable, regular job is what you envisioned for yourself? Yeah, like 100%. I didn't, uh, I mean, if, you know, to me, there was only like five jobs in the world growing up. And it was like a doctor, a lawyer, a firefighter, or a police officer, a mechanic, you know what I mean? There wasn't, there wasn't anything outside of that. How, how could there be anything outside of that? You know, it didn't even register at that time. Interesting. And now you've got this life of adventure, which of course we haven't explained to people yet. So maybe kind of tell us just a little bit about how that story evolved from what you thought it was and what you were, your dreams, the like the small dreams that you had and the kind of ordinary lifestyle you thought you'd have to where it's built to now. Okay. It, you know, it took a lot of cultivation to get where I'm at now, a lot of dreaming, a lot of thinking, and definitely surrounding myself with the right people, you know, because you really have to plant imagination inside yourself too. You can only do so much on your own. So I found when I was in my early 20s that I was just feeling anxious, that I felt like I didn't have much purpose in my life, that I was I'm very unsure what I was going to do. And I had loads of money coming in. I didn't become a firefighter. I became a heavy-duty mechanic, worked in northern Alberta. And loads of money coming in, you know, house, cars, vehicles, boat, all the toys and all that stuff. And I just felt very unfulfilled. And I didn't have a sense of accomplishment in my life. And I decided uh, I would break a work contract, which I had signed. And I would leave early and that I was going to sell everything I owned. And I would just go to this little country that I didn't know anything about called Indonesia that I read about maybe a week before I left. And I read it had 17,000 islands. And I just thought that sounded like the most interesting thing in the world. And I thought, I'm going to go and check out these islands in Indonesia. And once I got there, it was almost like this overwhelming feeling just flashed completely over top of me of, wow, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is how you're supposed to be living. Like a, like a euphoria, but a euphoria that I could actually be living in. Like it wasn't a dream, you know? So it felt very surreal. And this travel experience just opened me up to a whole bunch of big ideas. And from there, I started traveling around uh, by bicycle in countries all over the world. And a big one for me was going through Central America and coming back home and, and bringing that travel and adventurous lifestyle to Canada and, you know, practicing what I had learned abroad. That's really neat. Okay, so I'm so fascinated by your story, and I feel like everybody else needs to kind of get more of the details. So do you remember, or maybe I remember, basically you went to a wedding, and something happened to you there where you made a decision that, you know what, now's the time for me to be adventurous. Oh, you know, it's it's a funny story, and it's almost, looking back, I was so almost childish and naive. I just want to laugh about it, and I was looking at these photos the other day on my computer, and you know, I didn't know anything about geography. So like, I didn't know these countries like Central America, that was something that didn't exist. Like to me, there was North America and South America. What could Central America be? And for anybody listening, that's unsure, that's fine. But it's the skinny part between the Americas just south of Mexico. 
And I had read about this little country called Costa Rica that had grown this superfood called cacao. And cacao, for listeners also, is actually cocoa bean, which is grown on a tree that they use to make chocolate. Now, I read it had these super high antioxidant properties that the best quality was in Costa Rica. And I was fascinated by this. And I thought, what a good reason to go to Costa Rica. So I'm at my best friend's wedding. I was the, the best man in the wedding in Mexico. And when everybody was loading back onto the shuttle to go to the airport, I had made the conscious decision at that time that I'm not going back to Canada. And maybe I'm not going back ever. I don't know. But I was going to put myself on a bicycle and aim towards Costa Rica, various countries away from uh, Mexico in through Central America. And I was just going to go for it and bike down there. And so what happened was everybody was loading onto the shuttle. This is my parents, my aunties, my uncles. My grandpa would have been there at the time. Actually, uh, well, you know, other distant relatives were there, but my grandpa wasn't there at the time. Anyway, so I, I decide I'm going to pull a box out from this sort of storage room in front of the shuttle. And everyone's kind of like, what are you doing? You know, are you going to load that up? And I was like, no, it's got a bicycle inside. I'm going to assemble this thing and ride to Costa Rica. And they were as dumbfounded as I was, you know, when I came up with this idea. They didn't know where Costa Rica was or how long it would take. And I didn't have a clue. I just thought, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to bike down there and go. And a lot of them started crying. I remember Karsten Felsky, who I was the best man for his wedding, my best friend still to this day. He just hugged me and just looked at me blankly. And he said, man, you're you're going to die. I'm never going to see you again. He just hugged me. and was like, I love you, man. You know? And I remember getting uh, hugs from my parents and them just thinking, wow, we're, we're about to lose our son. And they said, when my parents got back into the shuttle that they were, they were crying and they had thought to themselves like, wow, we just actually said goodbye to our son permanently. And I was totally alive at the time. I mean, to me, this was all so new and I didn't know anything about Central America. I didn't even know that they spoke Spanish. And I remember when I first left, I didn't know a single word. I had picked up a dictionary and I wasn't even saying hola at that time. I was saying aloha, which is, you know, uh, a Hawaiian Aboriginal for uh, language for saying hello. So I was going around saying aloha and it was supposed to be hola, didn't have a clue, couldn't ask for water. And I made it all the way to Costa Rica um, with a little bit of help from friends along the way, of course. But I got down there. Okay, that's just, <laughs> I just, I... <laughs> It's just such a, it's funny, but I mean, not in some ways that your family would have been feeling that way, but how incredibly brave of you. So tell me why, like everyone's probably sitting here listening, like why, what came over you that just made you feel like I need to do this? I mean, for me, it was, like I said, it was almost, it didn't, I didn't really even have, I didn't even understand myself. I was really going for cacao. I really thought that I would go and just have this super food and just live some sort of super, super healthy lifestyle. And maybe I could get a job making big money in Costa Rica. And that was really the main motivation. And I think it was upon the journey, learning the adventure, feeling what it's like to explore, knowing the unknown. That's what got ingrained into me during that trip. When, when I really started to realize like, doesn't matter if this is or isn't a career, if this does or doesn't pay you, this is what makes you feel the most alive. This is what you were born to do on this planet for some unknown reason. And I've just been cultivating it ever since. And 
you know, I develop more and more all the time, sort of this feeling of why I'm supposed to be doing it and how, and I just follow my heart and pursue it. I love what you just said there about it. It's you're doing what makes you feel the most alive. And I can so relate to that because as an example, when I'm up on a stage presenting and I can look out into the audience and I can see that whatever I'm talking about is really connecting for someone, that is where I feel the most alive and the most excited about being alive. So I really relate to that. And I think your story is just so incredibly awesome. So let's just talk a little bit more about the the brave part of it. Cause I'm sure the listeners are thinking, okay, so he gets on a bicycle. He's going to go live this healthy lifestyle. He like bikes down there without a plan. So what were some of the first things that you had to encounter? I know there was one time you had to sleep in a ditch or maybe many times. I'm not sure. So tell us just a couple of the key stories of things that happened to you in your travels when you first started out. Oh God, it was like every time was in a ditch. And the thing is, before I left Mexico, why everybody was hugging me and telling me like, you know, how they had this to them, they were assured that I was, you know, going to bike into my death was we were reading these stories about how in El Salvador and Guatemala, these countries I would need to pass through, how there was people just pulling over tourist bus, robbing them and then setting them ablaze and killing everybody inside. So they're like, you're biking into that, you know, like it's certain death. And I thought I was just scared out of my mind. So I, w- I stayed maybe one or two nights, I remember, in, uh, in hostels biking down. And then I was like, you know what? Like, what am I doing biking so afraid? What's, gonna, what's really going to happen to me? Let's, like, let's find out, you know? Like, I just, I just said, screw it. Like, I, I don't want to hold back and restrict myself on this adventure. And I decided I'm going to sleep outside for this whole journey. And it was dry season, so I didn't have to worry about the rain. And I went to a hardware store in Belize, just south of Mexico. I bought a piece of foam, went to an upholstery shop, got it, my piece of foam covered, grabbed some rags from his garbage can, and I used that to tie it up, and I tied it to my backpack. And I think uh, maybe about a week after that, I invested in a tarp, and I would just roll my mattress and my tarp out wherever I felt like it. And I, usually along the beach, it seemed to be the easiest place. And uh, I would just sleep anywhere I felt like, really. And I would bike always into the night so that you could pick the safest spot possible and try and hide everything. And yeah, that was it for me. And then that's what made me feel extremely alive. And I'm sure people are listening, thinking that's way too extreme or that's crazy. Or this guy is like, you know, maybe a homeless bum, but it was, it wasn't about that for me. It was just the funnest possible thing I could do was swim in streams along the way, drink river water, sleep in the most unknown places, eat meals with people that didn't speak a word of English, even though I couldn't speak a word of Spanish. And it's just every time something like that happened or you get this brainstorm of an idea that you can actually do that, I would just do it and feel more and more alive. Well, you know, whether it's for the ordinary person that this, what you're doing is way too big for them to consider, your bravery is like truly, truly inspiring. So we're going to talk about how other people can inject adventure into their lives, but I don't think for a moment we should, you know, belittle the idea that whatever it is that makes you feel alive and excited and fulfills you is what you should be doing. And you should always pursue that. I couldn't be more excited than to tell you about an event I'm hosting in Edmonton on May 2nd. It's called the LEAD Conference. This is the first event out of my home province and we are pulling out all the stops to bring you the best experience. 
We have the perfect mix of practical how-to training and inspirational speakers, real people who are leading their lives past personal hardship and limitations. And the venue? Well, you just got to see it. I hold these conferences because I love being around motivated people. There is nothing like real life training, connection, and inspiration. I really hope you will join us so you can get inspired and energized to lead your best life. If you are looking to showcase your business, there are limited spots available at the event. Contact me through corliss.ca. And of course, to get your tickets to the Lead Conference Edmonton, head on over to Eventbrite. So when you first began exploring, so kind of tell us about the coolest experiences that happened for you and and what you learned about yourself in those first few days of, or first few weeks, months of adventuring. Oh, such a good question. It brings me back to such a good memory that I often tell people when they ask. And the thing is this bike touring is, is, is what it's called, what I do bike touring, right? I didn't have a clue that this existed. I didn't even ride a bicycle. I mean, I had three vehicles before I first went traveling and I had bought a bicycle because it seemed convenient. And then I realized if I just carry my backpack on the bicycle, I can ride from place to place and meet people along the way. So it was really quite a fluke for me. And then I realized, okay, so instead of staying in hostels, why don't I learn to speak the language and I can stay with local people you know, so here I am in Indonesia on my first bike trip. I've learned, okay, I can ride a bike now. I put a backpack on. I've learned to speak some Indonesian. And the coolest story for me was going off into this small foreign village, meeting a priest, knowing enough Indonesian to speak with him. And he took me on a hike on top of a mountain where there was a temple ruins. And uh, we did yoga and meditation there. And then at the end of the night, climbing back down the mountain, he took me to the little river where the village would go and bathe themselves. So here it was with all these uh, Indonesian villagers, uh, male, female, young and old, everybody naked in the river. And we bathed together. And then one guy gave me a haircut while we were completely naked, perched on rocks together. And I always thought, this is the coolest thing I've ever done with my life. Like, this is so much better than any type of all-inclusive resort or sleeping in a hostel. And I would say that made me totally hooked after. (laughs) Wow. And some of the listeners are probably thinking uh, that does not sound appealing to me. (laughs) No, and uh, maybe it's not for everybody, but it's just the sense of like, it's just the opposite of what we could ever think of, especially there's no way you're going to get a haircut like that in Canada. And for me, it's the contrast and the difference that I'm always shooting for. I love, um, you know, developing countries and seeing how they how they do things and how much different it is. And for everybody to go and bathe at the same time, get a haircut, I mean, opportunity of a lifetime. So when we're talking about a bike, I just want to clarify for the audience that we're actually talking about a pedal bike. This is not a motorbike. It has no motor. It is actually a pedal bike. So just to clarify that. And now how many countries have you bike, bike, ridden your bike through? Like, I know that you're now on another part of the world completely. So how many countries have, have you actually explored now? Oof. Well, I mean, you can't really say, I can't really say I've done all of Canada, but I did a lot of Canada on my bicycle. Uh, parts of the United States and Colorado when I was there, every country through Central America, including Panama, Indonesia, and I'm really starting to do a lot of biking in Australia too. So I've been biking in the Queensland area, and I just got off of two weeks where I did uh, the west side of Tasmania. 
Wow. And what have you learned about yourself? I know this is a loaded question because I'm sure you've learned so many things because even as you age, we learn things about ourselves, but in all your adventures and all the different things that you've kind of put yourself out there and been brave enough to try, I'm sure you've learned some things about yourself. What are the biggest lessons and things you've learned? Wow. That's a profound question. I think I'm going to try and answer that with the first thing that comes to mind. And I think what I've learned what I learned, I started learning about myself early on, and I'm continuing to learn about myself, is that to try and make it understandable, it's, it's that we're not just us. We're not just this physical body that we're living in, that there's a soul inside us, and that soul has either collected karma or had other lives. And whether you want to say it's, you know, almost like your soul's DNA from your parents, but you're not just living your life with your own purpose and intention you're actually living a life mm, sort of from other past lives I'm just trying to make it make sense so what I what I always found was when I was biking things would come up into my life whether it was uh happiness euphoria but there could be times of depression and sadness and you were unknown knowing why but it was once you really look inside yourself and strip everything back that's happening in your life, once you get rid of sort of the ego, if you want to say it, when you're not thinking about a job, house, payments, meals, when you just strip it back to the rawest form of your life, it's a soul that's inside you. And I learned that before I was a spiritual person and I, I go back into my diary entries and I would write about whose pain is this? Why am I carrying somebody else's pain? And I didn't understand it at the time. And I realize now as I become more mature that our souls had many lifetimes is how I've related it to myself, that our souls had many lifetimes and we carry that with us. And a part of the current life we live is, I think, healing a lot of that. And a lot of what experiences our soul has had is what really makes us feel alive in our current life. So I like to think that in my past lives, my sort of archetype, if you will, would have been more of a seeker and adventurer um, you know, very mechanically inclined and, and love being around people and learning. Wow. I'm actually kind of processing what you're saying. <laughs> it's, it's very deep. And, you know, sometimes if you pull it back, no matter what your belief system is, a lot of times we have this feeling living inside of us and it's like, what does this even mean? And perhaps how you've you know translated here and shared your experience, perhaps that's part of what it is. What else have you learned about yourself and your adventures? What else have I learned about myself and my adventures? I've learned, oh, it's... I mean, it's so cliche to say that it's never the destination and it's always the journey. But what I've, so I'm not going to say that, even though it's coming out of my mouth. But what I really feel is that what I learned about myself is that when you take time and spend time with other people that you meet along the way, that's what's most important in life is really making a connection with people. And that you don't have to have some list of these are all the countries I've done. This is the amount of kilometers I've biked or this is how many stamps I have in my passport. It's really not about that. Uh, and it's about who have I met along the way and how have we shared in experiences and help each other with our lives. And I think whether you do it in a different language or whether it's sometimes even a glance from other people, you can feel a certain connection with people. And I think learning that that's been the most, one of the most important things to do in your life I'm just taking a moment because that actually really touched my heart. I think that 
I don't know, in my own journey of my own life, that's a lot of what has happened for me too. It's really people and the connections and what you can do to serve others and who you are and how you show up and contribute that to other people is really what I found to be my entire life's purpose and what it's always connected to. So what would you say to the person that wants to shake up their life, be a little more adventurous, but they're really scared to take dramatic steps? Perhaps they're not quite as adventurous as you to just hop on a bike without a plan. What would you say to that person that's just kind of living in monotony and feeling like I kind of shake things up, but I just don't know how? You know, I think advice I'd have to give for somebody like that is whether you're going to be a spiritual person, believe in God or the universe, um, speaking to you, I think we can all agree that we have an instinct inside of us. And I think just taking, even if it's five seconds out of the day to just listen to that instinct, think about when you're walking by a homeless person, you think, I, I'm going to give them $20, but then you get by and you're like, mm, I don't know if I can spare 20. What about five? Uh, well, maybe I'll give them a quarter and you already passed that person. You know, I think going on instincts and being generous, going on instincts when you, when you're having a conversation with somebody, whether it's at work, outside of work, maybe it's a relative and you're, you're grabbing your phone and you're not really paying attention. I think, I think you should be giving that person all the attention that you can, you know, or when you get that idea that says, Hey, I should try that instead of letting fear take over or letting that idea just pass by and say, making excuses, perhaps you just act on it and take some steps towards it, no matter what it is. If you've always wanted to do something, maybe you should do it. Maybe there's something you haven't even explored yet and you don't know what you like, and maybe it's time to try that. Exactly. So well put. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like what, what has came to you first do that? And it, it could be anything. Did, like, why didn't you go to the gym or why didn't you pick up the guitar? Why didn't you talk to the person? You know, why didn't you start eating healthier? And there's something inside you telling you that. And once you follow that, that just, it just, it just a spiral effect of you figuring everything out about yourself. And then it becomes easier and funner as you get into it. So yeah, very well put. Truly, you know, when I was writing my book, I was, I tell the story about when I was, you know, kind of looking to restart my life. And I started flipping through magazines, trying to create a vision board. And I saw this little tiny ad that said first after 40. And I got really excited because what I had realized was that I couldn't design my life because I didn't even know what I liked. So when I saw first after 40, I thought, you know what, maybe this stage in my life is all about exploring and being adventurous and trying things for the first time. And suddenly I went from feeling, you know, bored and without direction to excited about my life. It was almost like it just was a flip of the switch and just the other side of the coin where first after 40 became my vision. It was like, I'm going to learn to speak Spanish and why can't I take piano lessons and maybe I'll try to go surfing and I'll do all these things that I've always wanted to do and never had the opportunity to do one at a time. And it really did kind of change my perspective on my life, but it's also given me something exciting and it's to look forward to. And it's also given me a new perspective on being adventurous and not just living my normal life that I know I'll end up having regrets if I don't try things. I have three closing questions that I always ask my podcast guests before I ask you them. I do want to give you an opportunity to offer any other advice or value that you want to for the listeners today. Oh, well, I think uh, both of us summed it up near the end there where you have a voice inside you and don't let that voice, don't waste time, you know, with that voice. Listen to the first thing it says and don't let it 
negotiate you out of what you first thought of. And I think with whatever that is, and if it feels right, then it can't be wrong. So just follow it and do it. That, that would be my advice. Start there. It's a simple thing to do. Beautiful. It sounds like you have birds in the background, <laughs> maybe because you're in Queensland. <laughs> yeah, I think I have some tropical birds hanging out with me here. Wow. <laughs> okay, so my closing questions um, are this. What does leadership mean to you? I think to me, the real sense of leadership is not being the leader that other people expect you to be, but being the leader that you know you can be. Awesome. And if you could recommend a book or a podcast that you're listening to right now or something as a resource for people, what would you recommend to them right now? Right now? Oh, I have been completely obsessed with a Canadian author, a female named Kate Harris. She lives in Atlin, BC, and she's got a book called The Land of Lost Borders, where twice in her life she biked the Silk Road, which is an old trading road established thousands of years ago from eastern China and over to the Middle East. And I just think her writing is, I mean, as good as it gets. She just has very descriptive writing. She gets you completely in the story. You feel like you're living an adventure. And um, I'm not sure if most of your listeners are male or female. I'm male and I follow her. I love her. I think she's amazing. But for female writers or female listeners out there, for them to know that this mid-20s girl just took off and rode her bicycle through the Middle East, through China, and just to hear her story, I think that could really enlighten a lot of people. So that's called Land of Lost Borders, Kate Harris. Love it. Okay, so based on where you're at in your life right now, considering all of the things that you've learned, all your highs and your lows, what two pieces, if you could only give two pieces of advice, what would you offer everyone? Don't quit. And the second you feel like you're about to quit, and it's as bad as it could ever be, and you're depressed, and everything's just falling and crumbling, and you feel like you're suffocated, that is the just right before it's about to get so amazing that you'll just be grateful you went and scraped through all that hell. So just don't quit. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So my little cousin, Leighton, how can people follow along your journey if they wanted to continue following you, watching you, uh, connect with you? How would they do that? Well, if they want to follow me on Instagram, it's just my name, Leighton Keddy. So L-A-Y-T-O-N-K-E-D-D-Y. I mean, I'm, I get messages from people all the time from all over the world that are looking for advice or they want travel advice or they just want to say hello so i'm open to anybody chatting or if they even want to join on a journey or have any kind of tips on traveling i'm always open to that and i'm on facebook too under my name fantastic thank you so much again for joining us today i'm so proud of you stay safe keep having fun and keep leading your life it truly inspires me and i know everyone else listening well thank you so much for having me corliss you're an inspiration for me as well so it's good that we can share it with each other you bet. See you soon. See you. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time. And I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.